So, hey guys, are you frustrated with where you're at right now? Maybe stunted in your progress? Well, if you are, I want to recommend a place for you to go called Growth Day. Growthday.com forward slash ed. It is the number one personal development app on the planet. It's got all kinds of high performance techniques in there, courses, accountability, journaling, live speeches from some of the top influencers in the world, including me. It's an overall environment to change your life. Growthday.com forward slash ed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Ed Myron Show. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so excited to have this guest here today, this lady to my right. We've been talking now for five hours off camera, literally. I'm uh, I'm a few peanut butter whiskeys in, but she's sober, which is a good thing. So she'll carry things today. But I have to tell you, um, I've been a fan of this lady's work for a long time. And we've met in many a green room over the last few years. And I've just really fallen in love with your work and your message. And as I learned her story, everyone, I just felt compelled to share her with you all because uh, it's a story of resilience. It's a story of grit and grace, overcoming tremendous adversity. And so if you're somebody who comes to the show today wanting to change your life, or you've had some events in your life that haven't gone your way, and you need a little bit more resilience, a little bit more grit, maybe just some hope and some inspiration, this lady is going to help you today. Um, she's a best-selling author. She's a podcast host of her show is actually ta- called Two Grit and Grace. Turning Tragedy into Triumph is the book. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, uh, her personal story is remarkable. Today is going to be an hour that's going to change your life. Amber Lee Lago, welcome finally to the show. Thank you so much, Ed. To be on my favorite show, like this is my favorite podcast, my go-to, and to be a guest is a dream come true. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, I did not know that I had a dancer for MC Hammer in front of me either. That's right. I got some moves. It's too legit to quit. It's awesome. I uh, I want to go to the kind of the defining moment of your life first, because I think probably my audience, some would know this story, but I bet most don't. And so I'm going to let you tell it, but Here's my version really quick. You're in the prime of your life. Mm-hmm. Things are going pretty well. And um, you're in the fitness space. You're super ripped and fit. Uh, you've had a dancing background. Life is going good. Great family. Great everything. And then you decide to take your Harley out for a ride. And that day changed your life. Yeah. So tell everybody what happened that day. Yeah. It was, you know, I was sponsored by Nike. I was doing fitness videos, infomercials. If you walked into any CVS or Walgreens and looked at a vitamin label, my picture was on the vitamin label. I was doing fitness modeling, uh, regularly contributing to Shape and Health Magazine. And um, yeah, I was coming home from work. I'd actually ran 11 miles in my best time that day, trained some clients, got on my Harley and was cruising down Ventura Boulevard. And this SUV was coming out of a parking lot and I saw him and I made eye contact. I thought, I thought he saw me. He shot out of a parking lot and I thought, oh my gosh, it's too late. All I had time to do was like, let go of my clutch, try to jump off my bike. I was T-boned and thrown 30 feet. And then I'm just sliding across the boulevard. And, And what was going through my head was, oh my gosh, please don't let me slide into another car because I couldn't slide. I couldn't see what I was sliding into. And when I finally came to a stop, I looked down at my leg and I only looked down once because it's crazy to look down and see my leg was completely just broken into pieces. My foot was dangling off and there was blood everywhere. Now, I didn't know at the time that my femoral artery was severed. Oh um, and I had this man, he saved my life because he came over and he took his belt off right away and he made a tourniquet around my leg. And um, I was screaming. And I, I remember in that moment, I thought, well, this can't be good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. That's what you were thinking. That was one of my first thoughts. Like mm-hmm. I might, that, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'm like, how can I keep my business going? And 
And um, then I was screaming out some cuss words and thinking my Methodist mama would not be proud of me. I really thought those were the thoughts going through my head. And um, paramedics happened to be at the coffee bean right down the street. So they were running towards me before they even got the call. And they got to me. So luckily, uh, ambulance came right away, got taken, you know, on the way to the hospital. And, and I remember squeezing the paramedic's leg in the back of the ambulance, like sweet. I was in so much pain, excruciating pain and squeezing his leg and trying to make eye contact with him. I was like, looking to him. Am I going to be okay? And I remember he wouldn't look at me. And I thought, maybe I'm dying. Like he doesn't want to let me know that I'm. I'm a goner, like I'm dead. Right. And I got to um, the hospital and it was crazy. There were like cops everywhere because my husband's a cop and news travels fast and, and the mm. brotherhood and sisterhood of the police force. And so the ER was filled with cops. And I remember just hearing this like crying, loud crying, wailing. And I'm like, his dad, I realized it was my husband and he's a big, he's, you know, being a first responder, mm-hmm. big, he's big, strong man like you. And he was hysterical crying and I'm taped to the gurney. And at that moment I screamed across the ER. I was like, honey, you need to get over here and mm-hmm. be strong for me. Whoa. Because I thought, um, if I'm dying, I need to know that he's going to be able to hold it together, take care of our two daughters. You were thinking those thoughts at that time. Yeah. Only a mama would think those thoughts. I was like, I need to make sure our kids are going to be okay. Like, that's what was going through my head. And then this uh, beautiful nurse leaned over me and she said, we're going to give you something to make you feel all better now. And that's the last thing I remember before they put me in induced coma. And because my vital organs were shutting down, I'd lost so much blood. They couldn't control my pain. Um, And then I woke up. Uh, over a week later, and they said, the first thing I learned was, I'm so sorry, we are going to have to amputate your leg. There's, this is like a war wound. You've got a 1% chance of saving it. Um, we're going to have to amputate. And in that moment, I just, all I heard was 1% chance. And I thought, well, so there's a chance and we need to find a doctor who is willing to take that chance with me. Mm. And we found a doctor, thanks to my husband. He 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 Googled limb salvage, and he limb found salvage. He was used to that terminology from all the work sure. that he's done, the, the horrible accidents that he's seen. Yep. And um, and to this day, he reminds me. He's like, "You have two legs because of me." <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen the leg even in its current condition. It's shocking to think that you're able to save that leg. I mean. I think when you were at the scene of the accident, when you looked down at your foot, like your your foot was just hanging off with with the skin, basically, right? I mean, and they put it on crooked. I mean, I'm glad they put it back on, but it's a little crooked. Is that true? I swear they put it. Back. They put it on. It's funny now, but that's it is. It's funny now, but, but by the way, that's a, 34 surgeries later, correct? 34 surgeries. Um, yeah, it would be a day of surgery, a day of recovery, a day of surgery, a day of recovery, and then a few years of of surgeries. In fact, on Facebook yesterday, I just, you know, it pops up when you've yeah. got a memory and it was a memory um, seven years ago that I got the news that I didn't have to have another surgery and take bone from my hip and put it in my leg because I had a non-union between the bone mm-hmm. and it took almost three years for that to grow back. So I was walking on titanium for a long time. You've had a lot of doctors on the show. I was thinking when I was preparing for this, this woman has a PhD in pain. I mean, the amount of pain you've experienced in your life. Last week. Well, right. We're going to talk about this past <laughs> week as well. We're going to go there for a second because I, I want everyone to just picture this just for a second. Life's going really great. Things are amazing. Split second, it changes. And you could potentially lose your leg. You're going to probably lose your leg. You've got excruciating pain. And really, the truth is, everybody, as we talk, that physical pain has not subsided Mm. since, as we sit here even today, and even in the last week, it's continued. And so, you're a strong woman, and there's lessons to be learned from someone like you, which is why your work impacts me so deeply. Because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, profess to know what resilience is. Then there's resilient people, which is a difference. Um, People teach grit. Then there's gritty people. Mm. For you to even in those moments, just, I mean, 
just hear that back. You're in this moment. Your husband's crying. He doesn't cry. Your leg's falling off. You're going to lose your leg and you're yelling at him. I need you to be strong for your children. Says a lot about you. I want to go back to little things for a second as I was preparing that I, I heard you say before. First off, the accident happens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the paramedics were close by. And I know a nurse had come up to help as well. But the other element was, it's interesting what happens during these times. This is a metaphor for life. There were a lot of other people around you at the time, at the scene of the accident, none of which did help you. No. Would even get near you because- One even fainted. Because it was so gruesome? Because it was so gruesome. People were not running up to me. They were looking at me like, and they were scared to come up to me. I had one nurse that came up to me and she held my hands and she said, I need you to breathe with me like you do during, like, like I learned in Lamaze. And I, that really helped. But the nurse and the man, and then, uh, I mean, it was crazy. No, it, people were scared. I mean, it looked that gruesome. You have this quote. It's, uh, I think it's Cahil Gibran. Out of suffering, it says, out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. Do you know that quote? Yeah, I've yeah. heard that. Yeah. And I, I wrote that quote down preparing for this because anyone that's listening to this, I just want to hear that again. Out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. Your entire leg is scarred. We'll put it up on the YouTube right now so that people get a a good idea of what that looks like. But all of you that are going through, you know, some type of suffering right now, what can emerge from this is a much stronger spirit and soul in you. And Amber Lee is proof of this. And it leaves clues as well. By the way, the pain hasn't ended. She now suffers from something called chronic regional pain syndrome, CRPS, just so that people, you know, I think a lot of people sit and they listen to things and, you know, our perspective of our life is our perspective, but, oh, what I'm going through right now is so bad. You know, if someone was mean to me at work or I got overlooked for a promotion. So yeah, you're going through a difficult time, but compared to what? Compared to, I have people tell me all the time, man, I work really hard. I go, good, come spend a week with me. Mm -hmm. Let's see, compared to what? So what is it like to live and really what is chronic pain? What is that like for you? Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting because a lot of people have no idea that I live in a lot of pain. I would never have known. And and um yeah, every day and when I was healing, I remember I had a friend, so I had a friend come over and he's like, "Why is your leg a different color?" and I was like, "I don't know, it's just the way it's healing." Well, I didn't realize it was because I was having this CRPS flare up. I didn't know I hadn't been diagnosed yet. And so the pain was not getting any better. But me being an athlete Mm -hmm. and a professional dancer, I've danced with a a broken leg. I've danced with blisters on my toes. I had a track coach like yell at me to get off the track to throw up and then keep running. So I knew grit. I knew how to push hard. And I just was pushing hard. And I remember going to this doctor's appointment thinking he's going to be so proud because I was upright on crutches um, when I was supposed to be like in a wheelchair for two years. He's like, oh, you're upright on crutches. He didn't say that. He looked at me and he diagnosed me with something called complex regional pain syndrome. And he said, your life's never going to be the same. You have an incurable disease. Um, You need to go back and get in your wheelchair. And I'm like, "Okay, for how long? And he's like, forever. He goes, you'll never work again. You'll never walk again. He goes, and, and you might be able to wear orthopedic shoes. And I had just like turned, tuned out when he's like, never walk again. Mm-hmm. And I just remember crying all the way home. And I didn't get back with my wheelchair. I went straight to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And the physical therapist was like, Amberly, what are you doing here? You don't even have an appointment today. And I said, well, I, I know, but I've just learned something. And if I want to have the life I've always imagined, then I'm going to have to work harder than I've ever worked before. And I didn't know how hard that was going to be. Um, and so I went to another doctor and he diagnosed me again. Hmm. Third, I was like, this cannot be my life. So I went to a third doctor and he's like, yes, you have it. And you need to take radical action. And so I started treatment. But it pain can be very, it's been my biggest teacher. Pain really has been my biggest teacher. But it can also be draining and I have had to really shift my mindset around it. And I think that it really starts with mindset. And I got in a lot of trouble for saying that. Um, I was on the doctor's TV. Yeah. And they cut out a lot of the interview and they cut out the part where 
I'd done all these treatments. Like I've had ketamine infusions. I've had a spinal stimulator where they implant metal leads into your spine. I've had Eastern Western medicine at one point. I was on um, 73 homeopathic pills a day and I was on 11 prescription medications and nothing was working. And it wasn't until I completely shifted my mindset. And, and when I said that on the doctor's boy, did people come after me. They were like, you can't get through pain with your mindset. And I think it starts with your mindset. Mm. If you play the victim, Mm. you're going to be stuck. You're going to feel sorry for something. But if you say, okay, I'm going to be the victor of my life. I'm going to own what I have, where I am, who I am. And then I'm able to make the best decisions to move forward. Then you are in the driver's seat. Yes. You get to make the decisions. And um, it is empowering when you realize you have a choice. So, hey, guys, as you know, I've partnered up with my good friend, Brennan Bruchard, who's created the greatest personal development system that has ever been designed called Growth Day. There's everything from journaling to accountability programs, live messages every Monday from myself and other influencers. There's an opportunity for you to, to get courses that would cost thousands of dollars completely for free. It's incredible. Go to growthday.com forward slash ed and check it out. Hey guys, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. You know, in all of my businesses, and I've been blessed to have several of them, I've used Indeed now for a number of years. And the main reason I do it is, if you're like me, I don't want to waste a bunch of time interviewing people that aren't qualified for the positions that I have. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world, right? Or they are qualified, but they're not interested in making the move at the given time. And so with Indeed, you have a thing called Instant Match, where they match you with quality candidates within 24 hours. And you're in front of people that want the job, that are qualified for it, and that you probably want to hire. I wouldn't go anywhere else. They've delivered great candidates to multiple businesses that I have right now. So here's what's great. Listeners and viewers of my show, you get a $75 sponsored job credit right now to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MyLet. Just go to Indeed.com slash MyLet, which is M-Y-L-E-T-T, right now. And you can support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That would be great, by the way. Indeed.com slash MyLet. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you about Shopify. You know, when I started the show, the furthest thing from my mind was doing online business, and now I can't imagine my life without it. So I love Shopify because they're a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. So whether you're in the startup phase where you're just launching your online store or you're at that really big business where you're like, hey, we just hit a million bucks in order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. They've helped me through every single stage. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. So whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered big time. They help turn browsers into buyers. They convert their checkouts 36% better than all the leading competitors. And I've used them for everything I do online. So every single thing you see that I market online, Shopify is somehow involved. I wouldn't even know what to do without them. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash mylet, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash mylet now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash mylet. What about that? Let's talk about that for a minute. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening or watching right now that are in their version and mm-hmm. their life of pain, mm-hmm. whatever it is. They've had a divorce. They've had a bankruptcy. They've just never loved themselves. They've never liked themselves. And they live with this pain. I just did a podcast before you came in on what's who's really driving in your life. Is it the story you're telling yourself? Is it a mentality that you have? Now, from someone who actually truly lives in pain daily, you said something a few minutes ago that's true. I would have never known that. I had met you multiple times. You have this beautiful, warm spirit, never complain, never show hurt, at least publicly when I've been around you. So what would you say to somebody? What does that mindset like a daily practice or what would you say? Someone says, okay, I'm not in chronic physical pain, but I'm in chronic emotional pain. I'm in chronic worry or anxiety or my business right now is really suffering. And every morning I wake up with... Am I going to make it? Is everything going to be okay? Can I feed my family? Whatever that might be. Or I'm stuck in a job and I don't love it. And that's my form of pain. What What is that mindset? What does it look like? What would you say to that person? Yeah. And, you know, pain is pain. And I mean, there, there are some people that are like, I can't relate to being hit by an SUV. And thank God you can't relate to that. I hope that never happens. Or they can't relate to a, a massive physical chronic pain. 
but pain is pain, whether it's emotional or, or physical, um, you know, what, what kind of pain that is. And I think that, I mean, I had to really, I started spiraling down in depression, you know, and, and anxiety and then sometimes anger and then frustration. And I think what really helped me, what I really noticed was the big difference that helped me was when I was in the hospital, um, every three hours they would change these bandages. My leg was completely exposed and it was held together by these metal rods and they would come in and rip these bandages off. And so I would sit there and look at the clock and just count down when nurses were going to come in and do that. And I saw this, you know, video of this beautiful lady on the beach and her family running after her. And I started going, oh my gosh, this pain sucks. Like, mm. am I going to lose my leg tomorrow? Is my husband going to leave me? Am I ever going to be able to run? And and I, in that moment, I thought, okay, I can keep letting my mind spiral into that constant loop of what if and go down that road of despair or I can stop and go, you know what? I am so grateful. I'm alive. I've got breath. Mm -hmm. And what helped me was I, I, and part of this was because I was kind of drugged up from so many surgeries and I did not want to forget to write a thank you card to people. And so I grabbed this notepad and I just started writing down everything I was grateful for and all the people that were coming to see me, my clients that were bringing me food and flowers and the doctors, every nurse's name, every doctor. So I wouldn't forget. And so I would remember to write a thank you card. And in that moment, I realized how it made me feel. It got me out of feeling sorry for myself mm. and, and constantly worrying. And it got me into a place of joy despite being in this pain. And mm. I think that we can have joy in pain and it's up to us to build upon this, this joy. Um, and an example of that was just this past week, um, I was in some a lot of pain and I had to be in a wheelchair and I was like emotionally, mm -hmm. I just felt defeated. It was like, mm -hmm. yeah, the physical pain, I, I got a high tolerance for pain, but like emotionally mm -hmm. it was painful. I felt defeated. And in that moment, I thought, you know what? How grateful am I that I have this nice man that barely speaks English that's pushing me in a wheelchair in a foreign country and we're commu able to communicate mm -hmm. Uh, and it instantly brought me to tears of gratitude, not sorrow, but of gratitude. And um, I think that every morning when I wake up, I the first thing I do is I thank God that I I can get up and I can walk, mm. even though it might be hard. Some days are hard. And oh, my goodness, you should see how I walk. I have to like takes me a little bit to get warmed up. But the minute I go to gratitude, and I know that sounds so simple, right. but it's my medicine. It is what really turns when I'm feeling like, oh, I'm not doing enough or I don't have enough or I'm not achieving enough. It turns, it gets me in the present moment. It turns what I can't do into what I can do and what I don't have into what I do have. And I think it's really alchemy. And so it's something I practice every day. I think it's a muscle. I think that's the thing that's not talked about. Have a gratitude exercise before you get up in the morning, right? Now what you're grateful for. But it's actually a muscle and it can atrophy too. There's been times in my life where I've been really good at filling myself with gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I've just gotten away from doing it for a while. And then that muscle shrinks. I think some of you that think I've tried it, it doesn't work. It's something that's got to become a daily practice and it is a muscle you build. But you can get to the point where you're in Amber Lee's case where you're in chronic pain. There are days you can't walk. She finds herself back in a wheelchair. And even in those environments, she can find some form of gratitude. And I want to, you hit on something a minute ago that I, you know, always like the things just to flow when we talk. One of the hard parts in life is when you've had something really difficult happen. Everyone listen really close, okay? This is about to get real. You've had something happen in your life that's a setback. Your business didn't work. You did get a divorce. You had a breakup. You, you lost weight, but you gained some back, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you make progress. And maybe you even made enough progress that you start to talk about the progress you've made, just like what you have. Like you were this person who's overcome chronic pain. You still have it, but you've been able to be a functional person with it. And then you're back in the... And then you're back. Yeah. That's the moment in life. It's not just the accident that happened, mm -hmm. okay? Or the event that happened to whoever's listening to this or watching it right now. That's really hard. But then maybe you do begin to make progress and you do begin to think you've made the progress and talk about it and it's real. And then 
you go back again. Then there's the setback. I think that's the point where most people lay down permanently. When we find them at the end of their life, it's not that they had some event and they didn't overcome it. They did overcome it for a while. And then life hits them back again and they find themselves back in the metaphorical wheelchair. And they're like, turn this page. I thought this wouldn't happen to me again. And now I'm in another breakup. I'm in another business. I made another financial mistake. I've gained the weight back again. So it's at that moment. I think that's the part that's not talked about in personal development success. Mm -hmm. It's not the initial event always that wipes out a lot of people, but it's the comeback and then the setback after the comeback. Don't you think? Yeah. And, and in those moments, I really have to use all the tools uh, that I can. And I'm talking about like, I get on my knees and I pray. Yeah. Um, I do. I have a gratitude practice where I have a group of girls. We call ourselves the God Squad because there's days it's hard to be grateful. You're like, ah, things suck right now. Yeah. And having that accountability helps me. It's one thing to express what you're grateful for, but it's another thing when you read what somebody else is grateful for and you share it. A great it, idea. It's it's great to have that. And there's an app I use. I'm not affiliated with this app at all, but it's called my spiritual toolkit. And it just, it's great. You can plug it in, share it. It's easy. Um, but also in those moments, I think it's important to remember the hardest thing that you've overcome and remember that you overcame it mm. and that you will mm. get through that. And I have to remind myself of that. It's like, even this past week when I was back in the wheelchair and back on crutches and i was going up and down the stairs you crutches yesterday yeah I, i'm Literally telling yesterday. you yesterday yeah. and i have my crutches with me here yeah. just in case yeah. like um and going up and down the stairs it was like ptsd of crps when i was first diagnosed like it was just because i was going up and down the stairs like one step at a time turning to the side because i could not move my ankle and i thought to myself okay well what's good good with this i was like that i already know how to do the stairs because i've done it before and here like i've 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 done it i know i can get through this because i've been through it before and i know that i just need it's gonna the flare-up's gonna calm down and i'm gonna get through this and so i sometimes have to think of like the hardest thing that i've overcome and how i did it and know that gives me the hope that well i'm gonna get through this and also something that has always helped me really helps me to this day. Um, And I was doing this in the hospital. And I remember, you know, community is powerful, but being of service. And people are like, well, I'm I'm a mess. I'm in too much pain. I can't do that. I can't be. How can I be of service? And I was like, if I can be of service when I'm completely bed bound, not even able to sit up and use the bathroom on my own, you can be of service. And so to me, that was calling my clients, setting up, you know, nutrition plans, setting up my clients with other trainers. I even had um, the nurses, once they figured out I was in the fitness industry, they were coming in asking me for fitness advice. They were like, how do I get a better booty? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, giving them in it. And, and I had a chair beside my bed and the nurses would come in my room and plop themselves down and just open up to me. You and were I, serving even in your lowest moment. But it helped, it helped, helped me. I wasn't thinking it, but I realized how much it, it helped me. And so I always say, when you're feeling bad, go out there and help somebody. So powerful. Yeah. I think the, for a while there, I was telling people, when you feel helpless, get helpful. Yeah. It's a, a great antidote. You're going down the road I wanted to go down too, which is a faith road, but it's something to do with your grandfather's teaching you and stuff too that I was reading about. There's this nuance. You and I are both people of faith. There's this nuance about praying and praying and praying, which is, for me, the most powerful force in my life is prayer. And uh, it's where I get my comfort. It's where I get my serenity. It's where I get my peace. It's where I get most of my answers. It's where I get my perspective. Mm -hmm. At the same time, having said all of that, I think some people think that that's there's also works in life that are required, right? Like, I think people think if I just visualize it, just visualize, I'm going to manifest everything in my life. So there's these two camps, right? There's like the manifest camp. Then there's the grind culture camp. But in your case, because you've come through real tragedy, real suffering, real difficulties in your life, where is that nuance and that balance? Didn't your grandfather have some stuff about that that he taught you when you were a little girl? Yeah. I think he was probably sowing seeds into you when you were a little girl that would be harvested later. But 
I guess he talked a little bit about grit and grind and the work in addition to the praying, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I came from, you know, uh, the Bible Belt of Mm -hmm. Texas, you know, and where we went to church every Sunday. My my grandfather's best man that I ever knew. He's a hard worker, good, good, good man. Mm -hmm. And um, he used to always say, you've got a shovel in your hand. You can lean on it and pray for a hole or you can start digging. (laughs) And so he was all about the praying, but he's like, you got to dig. You want something, you got to work for it. And that's how I grew up. If I wanted something, I had to work for it. I started, you know, babysitting at age eight. By 13, I had a real job. By high school, I had four jobs. And that's how I saved up enough money to mm-hmm. move to, to L.A. Um, yeah. So he he was a great role model um, and and always said some amazing things. I think you are. I can tell you, I was just sitting here. The, one of the reasons I wanted you, I only have 52 spots here. I told you this, right? One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is there's this thing I've been saying for a long time. I didn't make it up, but. You know, you're most qualified to help the person you used to be. Um, And the fact that you've had such suffering and such pain qualifies you to help people who are suffering in pain. I just want you all to think about this. Her life was on one trajectory and God had another plan, but she followed the path with the work. So she's in the fitness industry. She's in all these vitamin bottles, right? She's, She's got that life. Bam. The accident, the SUV, the foot hanging off dangling amputation coming in a coma for a week, wakes up. Who'd have thought when you were laying there in that bed, waking up going, I have a 99% chance of losing my leg. And then after that, in and out of wheelchairs up until last week, that you would become a best-selling author, this unbelievable speaker, have a massive following on social media that millions of people here, and by the way, very lucrative career speaking and the other things you do in your coaching group and your mastermind. Like, it's incredible what the possibilities are when you get to the other side of pain. And the other side, everyone, doesn't mean it's gone. Mm -hmm. It means you have a different understanding and mindset from that pain. The pain may persist. I think some people think, even in my case, like, well, and you're a very wealthy dude or whatever. There must be no difficulties. I just have a different set of problems. Yeah. But you and I are talking off camera about some things that I've got going recently. It's like, I have them, but my mindset is different. So I'm on the other side and I'm a different person mm-hmm. with a different set of problems now. And in your case, this has always been there. One of the things I love about you is your vulnerability. Because even prior to the SUV hitting you, this has not been easy street for you ever in your life. And what I love about you, the reason you're connecting, the reason you're successful is you're authentic and vulnerable. Most people hide their fears and anxieties and sins and mistakes. You don't do that. You say, here's who I am, because that's how you connect with somebody. And you've been courageous enough to talk about in your lifetime some very difficult things that have happened. Yeah. And it, when I was prepping for this, before you got here, I'm going to tell you this now, I was waiting to tell you. I said a prayer about our conversation today, but I actually found myself, uh, I was weeping a little bit. And the reason wasn't the SUV accident. I'm picturing this eight-year-old little girl. And I knew a little bit about it. But I didn't know all of it until today. So, and already your face has changed. Don't make me cry, okay? So I was like, you're going to make me cry yeah. today. <laughs> so, so, sorry, I'm making it emotional. Take us back to when you're an eight-year-old little girl. Now you're yeah. crying. Um, well, you know what? I think I cry when I feel safe around someone. Safety is like a big deal, especially when you grow up in a home that's not safe. That's an Um, honor that you feel safe with me. That's yeah. And, uh, yeah. So my, my mom and dad got divorced and she quickly remarried, um, a man who at first, you know, I was, Oh, this is amazing. All he does is buy us all these cool toys and everything. And then they got married and everything changed. And, um, he sexually abused me. And I knew it was wrong. And I knew like your gut doesn't lie. And I would say it's wrong. And he said, no, this is how dads teach their daughters. And um, I just from that moment on, I never felt safe. And it continued. And he told me that if I said anything, that he would kill my mom. And I believed him. And um, one day I finally got up enough courage to go to my dad and tell him. And, you know, I 
I wrote about this in the book, in my book, and this was the hardest thing for me to write about because I didn't want to hurt anybody. You know, I didn't want to hurt my mom or dad. And, uh, and it was so hard to write about, but, um, I told my dad and he didn't tell anybody. I said, dad, you can't tell anybody. He didn't. And it was a cry for help. I just wanted to have help and to feel safe. And he didn't do anything. And in that moment, there were a couple of things I thought. Number one, I thought, well, I'm not worthy of protection and love and just looking after. And then I thought, well, if I am going to be safe, it's up to me to make sure that I'm safe and I protect myself. And a just a, something switched in me. And the next time my stepdad came in my bedroom, he was a big guy. I kicked him and I remember mm. pulling his hair and I hit him and punched him as hard as I could. From that day on, he never laid a hand on me. Mm. He would say things and look at me. And I remember, you know, like things like we'd be at the kitchen table and my mom would have her back to us and he, they, he'd be looking at me. He'd be like, you wait till your mother leaves. Like, so when I say didn't feel safe, I started to never be home. Like I was at the dance studio. I ended up, like I said, we worked four jobs. Um, and I think looking back, I, I would never wish that on anyone, but because it, wasn't safe and there was so much pain and a lot of shame i think that pain pushes you until your passion pulls you and i was determined to save up enough money to move to la and people were like you're making a big mistake you'll never make it and i was like i am so out of here and i knew no matter what i was not going back i was not going back and um you know a month later I was dancing and had a job at two different dance studios and two different restaurants. And, and I was in L.A. for 31 years. What an extraordinary woman you are. Oh, thank you. It's been a lot of work healing. And I remember I never, I, I thought I'd healed. I thought I'd, you know, I, I'm over that. I've healed. I've, you know. And I remember going to a therapist about a boyfriend. And it was about a boyfriend not about sexual abuse. And she flat out said, have you been sexually abused? And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm over that. And she goes, you're not over it. And she gave me a, some books to read. And so, and I thought, okay, I read the books, gone to therapy. I'm over it. In the middle of writing my book, I was like, I still am not over. And I don't know with healing. I don't know if you ever like completely heal. I think there's so many layers and, um, now, like I was triggered the other day, something that it just like that mm. made me feel not safe. Mm. And those feelings that I felt when I was a little girl with mm. my stepdad walking into my bedroom, it all came back. Really? And I got scared and then angry and frustrated because, dang it, I thought I healed this. But now I can identify it. Yeah. And I don't have to run from it. I know I have tools to get through it. Yeah. And I can talk about it. That's perfectly said. That's how I feel with things that have happened to me, which are far less to the extent that have happened to you. They're nowhere near the same thing. But I actually have gotten a grip on it in my life that a healing something doesn't mean that it goes away. Like this thing on my hand right here is healed, but there's still a scar there. And that scar still reminds me of different things. And when that scar comes up or the scar on my leg or the scar on the back of my head, those scars are there for a reason. I just picture this little girl and like, this is what made me so emotional is this man who's trusted with your care mm -hmm. violates you like this repeatedly. And then you go to the other man who's supposed to protect you mm -hmm. and he really doesn't either. Mm -hmm. And so of course that has an impact and then learning to protect yourself and, and draw closer to your faith or these amazing lessons. So, hey guys, you know, when I love technology and a great idea revolutionizes an old industry. And by the way, if there's an industry that needs a revolution, I think you'd agree with me, it's the healthcare industry. It's not easy to find good doctors. And by the way, good doctors that are in your area that also take your insurance. And that's why I love ZocDoc. They are revolutionizing the healthcare industry and the way you get access to doctors. ZocDoc, by the way, is Z-O-C-D-O-C. -O -C. Here's who they are. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. 
tons of different reviews on the doctors and they're local to you. You can find out if they take your insurance. I just did it for a tear I had in my shoulder. One day later, I'm in the doctor's office getting some help, getting an order for an MRI. So go to ZocDoc.com slash MyLet and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash MyLet. ZocDoc.com slash MyLet. If you've been listening or watching the show for a long time, you know what a big believer in NetSuite I am. I've been talking about them now for years. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors, which is why I've been using them now for five years myself. Over 37,000 other companies have as well. They've made the moves. Do the math. Now you'll see profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash mylet. netsuite.com slash mylet, M-Y-L-E-T-T. NetSuite.com slash MyLet. I want to go to one more hard thing because I want people to understand the real. I think a lot of times on podcasts, it's almost like they're designed sometimes like sitcoms. And then at the end, everything's solved. Yeah. You, know, you watch a sitcom when we were kids growing up. At the end, there's a problem. And then and everything's better. At the end, Life we'll is great. It all. You go on to it's the next week, right? Rainbows and butterflies. All butterflies, right? And podcasts like, I used to be screwed up and now I'm not. No, we're all. No, I'm still screwed up. Me too. Me Still too. I'm in up. the process. And I think God's using our screwed up in this to help a whole bunch of other people because success leaves clues. Healing leaves clues. I actually give you a secret at this stage of my life. I kind of dig when he gives me problems now and insecurities now because it actually gives me work to help other people. And you don't have to have a camera on you to do that. Like these things are being sent my way so I can impart lessons on or contribute to other people. And so... You do fix things, then you regress, then another hole opens up and you fix that yeah. hole, right? And in your case, man's probably pretty justified with all the stuff that's happened to you between the stuff in your upbringing, then the accident, but then over time, you're in real pain, emotional pain, but you're also in real physical pain. Mm -hmm. So you start to kind of use substances mm -hmm. to heal your pain. Like there's almost no one sharing the stuff you share, right? So between the accident, the sexual abuse, and then there becomes this part of your life, this stage of your life where you're probably starting to use substances in an unhealthy way as well. Oh, right? yeah. So I think everyone needs to hear this because there's someone that need they're coping in an unhealthy way. I think a lot of us are. I mean, I, I realized I had no idea that I was running from my pain my whole life. I was running from the pain, running from the shame yeah. because... Whenever I felt those feelings, I would go run. People would say, oh, yeah, you're the running girl. I see you running all over town. And then I'm stuck in a hospital bed. I couldn't run from my problems and I'm staring down at them. And I couldn't do anything except for feel these feelings that I didn't want to feel. And I would stare down at my leg, all scarred up. And when my nickname was Legs at the gym and I was, you know, modeling, fitness modeling, and now look at me, I'd lost 20 pounds of muscle. I was out of work. We were $2.9 million worth of medical expenses. We oh. had a lien on our house. Yeah. Um, when I was the main breadwinner and being out of work, it was, it was like, I pain emotionally financially in every way and i was trying like i said all these medical treatments that weren't working and i remember one day having a glass of wine and going huh this kind of helps me stuff down the pain and the shame and i was like this is i really thought to myself why didn't the doctors just tell me to knock back a glass of wine like this stuff works and it worked until it did and 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 at the same time, being in the fitness industry, industry, I thought this isn't the healthiest thing to do. But if this is what I have to do to get through the day, mm. then I'll do it. And I remember trying to get through the day and eventually, you know, the nighttime kept 
creeping up into the day where I was drinking earlier and earlier, earlier and earlier. And then it was like I would make this promise to not drink. And then the pain would be so excruciating. I was like, I just need to dull this pain. I just and and that's the thing. You know, I think so many of us, we we don't want to feel the pain, whether whatever kind of pain it is. And we try to stuff it down. We gamble too much, eat too much, drink too much, whatever it is work too much in order not to feel those feelings. And I think that that's what I was doing. And um, it got really bad to where I went from drinking wine to vodka and I was sneaking my drinking. So imagine trying to sneak your drinking when you live with a cop. And <laughs> that takes skill. It takes some reels. He would come up and he'd look in my eyes like, have you been drinking? And I'd be like, no, what are you talking about? Like what? You know, it was horrible because I was living this double life mm. and I was trying to hold it all together, trying to make it look OK from the outside. And on the inside, I was dying inside. Mm. And I mean, I think that when your outsides and your insides don't match, that's when it starts to fail. That's when things start to get bad. And um, I knew I needed help. I knew deep down I needed help. And and my husband was the first person I told. And I was like, I think I have a problem. I said, I think I need to go to like a 12-step program. He's like, you don't, he didn't know how much I was drinking. Mm -hmm. um, nobody did. I was like a closet drinker. I wasn't one of these people out in the bars. No, I was trying to like numb out the pain. Yep. And um, I said, I think I got a problem. He goes, you don't have a problem. He goes, anybody that was dealing with as much as you're dealing with would be drinking. And I was like, I knew. And I think that's the thing. We have to ask ourselves the question because we know deep down inside when something's not right or yep. we have a problem with something. And so um, I called a friend. She was actually, it took a lot of courage because she was an, a former client of mine. Mm -hmm. And I knew she was sober. And I called her and I was like, I need help. Yeah. And um, she was, I'm going to take you to a meeting. And I waited around for a week and I never heard back. And I thought, I need help now. Yeah. Or I'm going to die. Like, it's that bad. Like, I'm going to die. And um, I Googled 12 step and I found a meeting that when my husband was going to be at work and my daughter was at school. So I went from sneaking my drinking to sneaking going to a meeting. Yeah. And scarier than any surgery mm. anything i'd done was deciding to walk in that room and i watched these women Scarier walk in surgery wow. it was because i was like felt like it was such a contradiction of who i'd been my whole life this picture mm. of health mm -hmm. and fitness and now i'm an alcoholic mm -hmm. and i went in that room my hands were shaking. I was now physically dependent on alcohol. So I had tremors. And I remember Googling, why do your hands shake? Uh, duh. It's because you're physically dependent on alcohol. Um, I sat in the back of the room in between a nun and a cowgirl. Like this lady with the cowboy hat and a nun in a nun suit. And I thought, well, if a nun can be an alcoholic, so can I. Mm. And I just listened. And in that room, I heard hope and people that were sharing my story, things mm -hmm. that it sounded like, yeah, that's how I feel. And, and I kept going back and I kept going back and I stayed sober one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's been a journey. Mm -hmm. It's been a, it's been a journey, but it has given me my life back and, um, and more. There's gifts of sobriety, and I always think as long as I stay sober, I can do anything. And I'll say it's been a journey because this last week I was in so much pain, and I was in a hotel room by myself. And, you know, I used to drink by myself. I didn't want anybody to know I was drinking. And in the hotel room, I, in that excruciating pain, I'm laying in bed with my leg propped up on pillows, and I look straight ahead, and it says, mini bar and i got up and i was like i wonder what's in that mini bar i've never i never never caught my eye but that that pain mm -hmm. is what triggered me mm -hmm. and i actually opened up the mini bar and looked and that scared the crap out mm -hmm. so i put some clothes on and i went downstairs and i was like i'm gonna get some dessert i ended up getting a whole pizza i don't eat pizza i was like i'm getting a whole dang pizza <laughs> i went outside sat by the pool i prayed and I called my sponsor. 
I got a full stomach. I always say halt. Never get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And uh, that helps me. So. Wow, wow. Listen to you. What a conversation we're having. How incredible. Just this week. Just this week. So I'm not saying it's like, I got sober and everything's great. That's my point. It's not a sitcom. Life is not a sitcom. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, I want everyone to hear a little kick in by me here. You may say, well, I'm not dependent on alcohol, which, you know, my coping mechanism is an alcohol or I figured out what mine is because all these years, I'm like, I had all this pain in my life too. I'm, first time I've ever said this out loud right now with you because you've been so courageous. I'll say what mine is. Never said this on the show ever. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a gambling addict. I'm probably a worrying addict, but I don't know if that one counts or not. So I've always been like, what's my coping mechanism? How do I do it? Because I'm so engaged with people like when I do this, but I know what it is. I've become addicted to disassociation from feelings. I just realized it recently. I'll I'll make other people feel things, but I don't allow myself to feel a lot of love. I don't allow myself to feel a lot of joy and bliss, not to the extent that I should. So my coping mechanism, I think when I was a little boy, wasn't to, it was to disassociate from what was happening emotionally. Yeah. And I think that may be the greatest addiction in the world, right? For many of you listening, it's your disassociation from feeling feelings deep. Yeah. And it's insidious and it's subtle, but I have to tell you all, it's, it's, I think it's become what my addiction is. I only feel things a little bit. I only enjoy things a little bit. I detach. Dis- disassociation detachment, I think, is my coping mechanism. I don't, I've become so good at it that I don't need a substance to do it. I can just turn it off. Yeah. I've become good at that. So I would like all of you, as I share that, just to evaluate for you. We all probably have some type of coping mechanism. I have other healthy ones, working out, running, yeah. lifting weights, right? They just right. asked me uh, last week, they said, well, you can't work out for a week. I'm like, what do you mean I can't work out for a week? Mm-hmm. I'm like, a week? I was like, I, no, I have to work out. And they're like, what are you, a fitness addict? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. I guess right. there's worse things. There's you know? worse things, right. There's there's uh, nothing wrong with being a faith addict, a fitness addict, a contribution addict, a yeah. love addict. These yeah. are all good things, right? What is Pacer? Oh, well, you know what? My husband, he we were sitting at the dinner table and I had my leg propped up on the table. Okay. It was all swollen and yeah. I guess I looked like a wreck, like a mess. And he said, you know what? You need to pace yourself. I don't know. Being an entrepreneur, it kind of offended me. I was a little offended, yeah. like pace myself. What? I like going fast. I like going. I like doing. And then... um I grabbed one of the dinner napkins and I started writing down. I wrote down pace. And what do I do to pace myself? Okay. Then I had to add the R because I learned the hard way how important the R was. But PACER stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and the last part is rest. And it's everything. And I still remind myself of this, like mm. when I'm feeling tired, anxious, worrying too much, mm. uh, if I'm resentful, if I'm just in a lot of pain and mm. I go to this to and it snaps me out of it. So perspective, the easiest and quickest way to shift the way you feel about your situation, as we talked about earlier, is with gratitude. Um and and sometimes we need someone to kind of shift our perspective about things. And my husband's really good about doing that. And you know, one day I was like, my daughter is a runner, my youngest daughter, she loves to run. And I was like, she wanted me to run. And I said, what a shame. I can't run with her. I can't run anymore. My husband's like, ride your bike beside her. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Like, you know, and I was like grateful that I can ride a bike. Um, but acceptance, I think, is the beginning of any transformational journey. It's like really accept because I was in denial for so long. I was the thing is you're drinking. You finally had to accept the fact that you were sort of powerless over this alcohol, right? Oh, completely yeah. powerless over it. I had to accept that I had this nerve disease and try and and that yeah, I might have to take medication for that. When I was like so stubborn, didn't want to take medication. Um, instead would drink like that's better, you know, right. but acceptance really puts you in the driver's seat. I think when we know who we are and like even the things that are hard to accept, when we accept those things, it's like we 
can do something about it. Mm. And I think when you own who you are, like nobody can use it against you. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You want to say that I used to drink too much? Yep, you got it. I am full-blown alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You want to say, oh, man, like, and and man, TikTok can be brutal. My daughter told me I was too old to be on TikTok, and I was like, (laughs) well, then I'm going to be on TikTok. And the first video I posted, it was the first time I put my tap shoes back on ever. I was like, squeezed my feet back into these tap shoes. I didn't even know if I could tap dance still. And so I put the camera up. I started doing this tap dance and um, saying, you know, the first time I'm dancing in yeah. so many years and this and that after my motorcycle accident, the calm, some of them were, they were, they were very funny. Some of them were brutal. Like, like uh, don't post your leg again. I saw it and I'm going to throw up and don't ever, you know, but because I have accepted my scars and I had help with that. You know, my doctor, Dr. Wiss, is the one who really did that for me. I remember going into his office, telling him, and this is about a year after my accident, that he saved my leg and it was giving me so much pain. I was like, Dr. Wiss, I appreciate all the surgeries you've done, but it's just giving me too much pain. I need you to go ahead and amputate it. And he goes, we can't do that. He goes, you have a nerve disease and it could spread if we amputate if that's not mm. that's not an option and he did some he took my leg and he put it in his lap and he, i remember thinking i can't believe he's putting my deformed ugly leg on his nice white coat and he looked at it like it was a masterpiece like look at what he saved and in that moment something shifted and i thought if he can look at it that way maybe i can too yeah. And once I started to accept my scars and share what I was going through, it led me to community. And I think that's the most powerful part of Pacer. I I think we're strong alone, but together, when we come together, we're unstoppable. And when we can share those vulnerable moments, it creates a deeper connection. And whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a mom chasing kids around the house, you, you don't have to do it alone. And then E is for endurance and uh, I think athleticism taught me a lot about endurance. Um, and the R's I learned the hard way is, is rest. And if you really want to be resilient, strategically planning times to rest, because I would go and go, oh my gosh, why did I feel like crap? Oh, I didn't even make time to eat. Mm-hmm. Or I need to make time to even get up off Zooms and go use the bathroom. You know what I mean? I relate to that big time. Drink some dang water on my 11th. Yes. Back to back. I totally relate. Yes. Do you think... Mahashi, you have the hardest questions the last couple here, just because I feel like this is an extraordinary masterclass conversation that I think will be shared beyond the reach of my show. This has been so good, and our show reaches millions of people, but I actually think this is going to go reach potentially 50, 100 million people just because of the nature of the conversation. So I'm going to ask you a couple hard things. What's the purpose of all this? I know this sounds very theoretical, but you ever sit back and wonder like, you were born and then God deals you this hand where mm-hmm. this man's charged with your care and he starts sexually abusing you. You go to the next guy who's your actual birth father and say, kind of protect me. Mm-hmm. He really doesn't. Flash forward a few years, you finally turn around, build a great life. Bam, hit by an SUV, right? And then God goes, I'm going to give you pain the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Chronic pain, you can't get rid of it. You think you're going to lose your leg, it gets saved. Then it's so painful you want to lose your leg but mm-hmm. can't lose it. You survive all of that. Then you start knocking back too much alcohol. So then you're suppressing that pain. Yeah. And then even this week, you're in a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, today will help 50 to 100 million people. Yet, you've got books and another book deal you've just signed and Instagram. What is the deal with this life thing? Like, what do you think this is all about? What the purpose of it is? Why you were born? Why you exist? Why this happened to you? Do you... Give any time evaluating that and thinking about it. Well, I think we heal and then we help others. That's what it's all about. Like we just continue to heal and grow and then see how we can help others. And and um, I remember, you know, my husband comes in, he goes, you don't have to do so much. You don't like he sees me when I'm in a lot of pain and he's it's hard because, you know, you I go speak at an event and. When I'm on stage, I have no pain. I have no pain right now just being with you. Um, 
And then I get home and I'll crash. And he sees that, unfortunately. And he's like, you don't have to do so much. And I said, if I just sat here and stared at my leg and focused on my pain and talked about my pain all the time, I would be, I'd probably never get out of bed or do what a lot, you know, the the nerve disease I have is dubbed the suicide disease because people slowly kill themselves with drugs or alcohol or they commit suicide, unfortunately. But what gives pain purpose to me is helping other people and going to be of service. And even even when I was going through that pain in the hospital or even last week, I was still reaching out. People are like, I can't believe, uh, you know, I know you're recovering right now. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I can, you know, I'll look at your website and give you the edits on it or I'll, do, you know, because it it takes you out of your pain when you can help somebody else. And and like I said before, like we, there's always joy within us. We have to find ways to ignite that joy. For me, one of the ways I ignite joy is when I can help someone else. And um, I realized my purpose here is I love seeing that light go off in someone. I love when I can help someone and see them soar and see them launch their podcast or go on stage or write their book. And I remember being a little girl when I first noticed that. And I don't know why my mom let me do this, but every Friday night, she would let me hang out with all the band from the football game. Football's huge in Texas. And we'd go to the Dairy Queen and they'd put money in the jukebox. And I was like five years old, five, six years old. They would put me on the table and I would dance mm-hmm. all night to the music and the jukebox. And I danced. Because I saw the people's faces, they would smile and they would clap and then they would dance. And I loved it was in that moment I realized I love being able to spark joy in others. And that's, I feel like, one of my favorite things to do. And so I've thought about what is the purpose of all of this. And and I think when God, when something happens, I ask, okay, what am I learning from this? I don't get stuck in why is this happening to me? I always go, what can I learn from it? What can I do differently? How can I get better? Well, what else can I do? I can't walk. Well, and it's even, you know, I I can be upset about having to use crutches. Then I'm like, but crutches are still moving me forward. You know, get upset about a wheelchair. Well, I got a nice guy pushing me all the way through. I'm riding in style. You know what I mean? Um, And then they had a wheelchair waiting for me when I got to Dallas start talking to the guy and we had the best conversation and I even started filming it. We were, and he was a ham, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always a way to spark joy. So I don't know. I think we all have a purpose and we all know it deep down. Like it's something we might take for granted or it comes easy to us. Like, Ed, you are so good. One of your many superpowers is you just have this way of connecting with people and you see them. You make them feel seen and there can be a whole room full of people and you make that one person feel seen and you make them feel special. You just have a magical way of doing that. Thank you. I'm seeing you today. Second time. I just, you're such an extraordinary woman. I, uh, you said a few things there about you love watching people soar and I'm sitting here watching. Oh, I'm watching her do this right now. It's kind of cool. I feel like I'm the, I'm like the dairy queen with the jukebox. My show is. And I've just given you this table today and you're just doing exactly, you're bringing this joy and inspiration to millions and millions of Mm. people. This little five, six year old little girl was doing it for 30, 40 people, 50 people at Dairy Queen. Now she just did it today for millions and millions of people and how God's used all this pain in your life to take you full circle. And I'm watching you soar. Mm. And this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I'm so grateful that I asked you to do this today. I'm so grateful that you, I about fell off the couch when I got your text message that you asked me to be on the show, just so you know. Mm -hmm. And it's been the most exciting thing like ever. I mean, I'm so grateful because like I said, this is my favorite show. Thank you. Did you hear yourself today? Is there any part of you that has you heard yourself? I know you've done lots of podcasts, but is there any part of you that just heard yourself today and went, oh my gosh, No. this is pretty damn awesome. Oh, this is pretty awesome to get to be with you. you. I mean you. I oh, mean you oh. Today. I mean you. Thank you. I mean it. I'm very grateful. I'm really grateful. Uh, every single minute and second of this today was precious. 
and absolutely blessed. I mean, you're just such a blessing and you've helped so many people today. I want to make sure they find you before I let you go because they're like, this woman's amazing if I haven't heard from her. So where do you want to send them? Where do they go? Um, well, uh, you can go. TikTok, no, no, Definitely not TikTok. Amberlylago.com and I've got free resources. Actually, they can get a free video from me every okay. single week okay. for a whole year. Like That's awesome. It was a lot to record, but let me tell you, but it's free and it's just a way it's called the Rise and Thrive video series and it's all for free. It's just a way that I can give back and give people tips and tools on um, how to grow and be resilient and how to speak on stages and do a podcast. But it's AmberlyLago.com forward slash thrive to get that. Forward slash thrive. And by the way, you're immensely qualified as I started out today. And by the way, you should be following her on social media. I follow her on Instagram. But TikTok, Instagram, she's got a YouTube channel. She's got a book. She's got another one coming out here in the next, I don't know, year or so. She's going to start writing and put that out. Podcast, everything. Just go find all of Amberly's stuff. Thank you for today. Thank you so much. Was, Thank you. It was awesome. All right, everybody, share this thing. Do I need to ask you to share this one? I seriously doubt it. So, hey, listen, everybody, this is why we do the show, what you just saw here today. The only thing I ask is that you spread the word about the message of our show and the difference we make in people's lives. And I just want to tell you once again, God bless you and max out your life. This is the Ed Myland Show.